there is a shed behind my parents' house. It's not very big, but when I was younger, much younger, I wouldn't want to do it now, but when I was younger, I used to climb to the top of that shed on clear, warm summer nights. And I would lay there with my back against the shingles. They would still be warm. It would feel so nice. And I'd just look at the stars up above me. Now, it wasn't like that shed got me any closer to the stars, really. Uh, but that just happened to be the perfect spot. It, every street light was blocked. Every pole light was blocked. And as I laid there, the sky would just open up. And I would see all of those stars and and wonder where they all were. And then, then I would see meteors as they streaked across the sky. I would see planes as they made their way. I even would watch satellites as they would go from one side to the other. And I laid there at night and I would just be amazed at the grandeur of it all. It was impressive. It was overwhelmingly beautiful. And I would think somehow, somehow God created all of this and He created me also. When I was in junior high, there was a documentary on TV called Cosmos. I don't know if you remember Cosmos, but it was hosted by Carl Sagan. And if you remember Carl Sagan, you remember that he said that there were billions and billions of stars out there. Carl Sagan was a well-known astronomer. He was also an atheist. And I would watch his documentary Cosmos. It was fascinating to me. It was on Sunday nights, and I probably should have been in church or I should have been in youth group. I should have been somewhere, but I was home watching Cosmos. And it was, a, it was a pivotal moment in my life because at that age, I was searching and I was wondering, what's real and, and who am I? Carl Sagan, in, in his documentary, he made this quote. He said, the nitrogen in our DNA, the calcium in our teeth, the iron in our blood, and the carbon in our apple pies, they all were made out of the interiors of collapsing stars. We are made of star stuff. And for Sagan, that was it. There was no humans created in the the image of God. There was no breath of the divine into the nostrils of man to bring Him to life. We were just stuff. Star stuff, but still just stuff. And I remember hearing that and looking at it all, and wondering, how is that it? How can there not be more? Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! You have set Your glory above the heavens. And out of the mouths of babies and infants, You have established strength because of Your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And when I look at the heavens, the work of Your fingers, the moon and the stars that You have set in place, what is man that You're mindful of Him? The Son of Man that You care for Him, yet You made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion over the works of Your hands. You have put all things under His feet. All the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. The universe has a way of making us feel small. This world has a way of making us feel small. And you know, other people 
have a way of making us feel small. You know, you, you, we live in a small town. We, we go to a small church. We have small lives. No one really notices us. We do small jobs. Do we really make a difference? You know, you look at the advertisers. You watch the commercials on TV. You look at what they're selling. They're not selling stuff to me. I'm not their demographic. You, you look at the surveyors and the people who look for opinions. They don't want my opinion. They don't care what, what I think. They don't care what any of us think. We're, we're not their demographic. Do we really make a difference? The, the world has a way of making us feel like, like we don't matter. But the Creator of the universe in the center of a song that's about him tells us something amazing. The pinnacle of His creation, the, the center of His creation is not the moon and the stars that He has put in place. The center of His creation is you. There is nothing in all creation more beautiful to God than you. There is nothing out there that is so amazing, so breathtaking, that it would take His attention off of you. He cannot be distracted from you. Now in a small town with a small life, it's easy to think that you're a small person. You might think that you've been overlooked in God's plan. But He is so in love with you that even the grandeur of His creation can't take His attention from you. There is no one so small that they escape God's notice or live without His purpose. And God created you with purpose. He created you with the purpose of praising Him. This past week, I asked a question in my Tuesday email. And again, I'd love to add you to the email list. It's just a couple emails a week. They're pretty short. I hope they're encouraging. But this last Tuesday, Tuesday I asked a question. The question was, what song fills you with awe? When you hear it, what song just absolutely fills you with awe? And I got great responses. I always get a lot of great responses. Some of you said, I worship You, Almighty God. Great is Thy faithfulness. One of you shared a story about a deep and lasting hurt that you've had and, and the healing power of the song Amazing Grace. And I was blessed to know that when we sing Amazing Grace, we are a part of the healing that God is bringing you. Shirley, who who picks out our songs uh, most weeks. Shirley said, I can't pick one. Uh, which is why all the songs are so good, Shirley. She said, I can't pick one. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Hallelujah. Mary, did you know? But all of these songs fill you with awe. Can't you hear that? In the first verse of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. When God called Moses to set His people free. They had been in bondage for 400 years. 400 years in a foreign land, living as slaves under foreign gods. And there were a lot of foreign gods. And it's easy in that condition to forget who you are because suddenly you think you're just a small person. You don't matter. Society tells you that you don't matter. And so it's easy to forget who you are. It's easy to forget who your God is. And so Moses asked God the question there in Exodus, when I go back, who do I tell them sent me? What's, what's your name? And God said, tell them, I am has sent you. I am, meaning I will be. 
And in choosing that name for Himself, God's saying, my existence doesn't depend on anyone else. I'm not here only if you praise Me. I don't exist just because you believe in Me. And if you ignore Me, (laughs) if you refuse to acknowledge Me, you don't reduce who I am. You cannot elevate Me any higher. You cannot reduce Me. I am. To quote Popeye, I am what I am. And that's all what I am. Right? And it's not that God's existence or His power is is depending upon your praise. His name alone is majestic. Rather, your fulfillment, your purpose, the reason for you to exist is to give Him praise. He says there in verse 2, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now that translation sounds a little different than what some of us grew up reading. Because we grew up reading that out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have ordained praise. This translation says you have established strength. In, in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, praise was strength. Don't you think praise ought to be strength? Praise was strength. That's why Martin Luther says a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Because when we praise God, we find strength. And what he's saying there is even out of the mouths of babies, those that can't even speak, those that, those that haven't learned to reason yet, I've ordained praise. Those noises that your kid makes are praise. Those noises that Connor makes, those are praise. Now that, that was revolutionary. Because back then in that society, children were to be seen and not heard. You know? I mean, they, they were a blessing. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows, but they, were not, they didn't count. You, you kept those children away. They, they didn't matter in society. God turns that on its ear. And God says, out, out of the mouths of children, I have ordained praise. There's that instance in the Gospel where people were bringing babies to Jesus and, and asking Him to, to lay hands on them and bless them. And the disciples said, keep those kids away. And Jesus said, let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I think there ought to be no other place where children are more valued or more cared for than in a church. There'll be no place where children are more valued or more cared for than in a church. And let me remind you again, we love baby noises at Kansas Christian Church. We love baby noises. If your baby makes noise, I don't care. Let your baby make noise. Baby noises mean life. Baby noises mean hope. Baby noises mean a future. Our own Amy Crane. Amy's out sick today, unfortunately, and I don't think there's anyone back in the nursery today. Look at that face! Amy's out sick today, but... You know, she takes such good care of the kids back there, her, her kids and our kids. If you, if you go back there, if you're walking through the hallway and you see Amy, thank her for the work she does. Pop your head in the nursery and thank her. She's probably going to ask you to volunteer if you do that. though. Uh, but that would be awesome. We, we need more people. There is a sign-up sheet on the back of the auditorium. If you're blessed by the babies here, sign up and, and help out. Jesus said that the children are known in heaven. He said, he said their angels always look upon the face of the Father. And we, we look at a child in its innocence and we say, well, of course they are. But you understand, in that society, children were put down. They're like, ah, those kids, they don't amount to anything. 
But Jesus is saying their angels know God. that They are known in heaven. And His point is, if they are known in heaven, then you're known in heaven. Then I'm known in heaven. We're all known in heaven. And as the psalm continues, we see that God knows you so that you can know Him. Praise isn't just for the sake of praise. We don't, we don't sing these songs every week because we've got a quota to fill, right? Verse 2 says, Out of the mouths of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. You're not just praising God because He deserves it, and He does. You're not praising God because He desires it, although He does. You're praising God because we have an enemy, and that enemy lies to you. That enemy tells you that you're no good. That enemy tells you that you're worthless. That enemy tells you that you're not important. But you were created to praise the Creator of the universe. And to praise Him, you have to know Him. But before you know Him, understand this, He he already knows you. And while your enemy says, no one wants you, God says, I'm crazy about you. And if you're singing, whether your singing is beautiful or whether you kind of croak when you sing, he listens and he says, it's, it's beautiful to me. Now last week, we played Jeopardy during my sermon. We played a little game of Jeopardy. This week, we're not going to play Jeopardy. This week, we're playing Wheel of Fortune. So you're ready to get your wheel on? We're going to play Wheel of Fortune this week. The category is song title. This was a big hit from Dean Martin back in 1944. And I think some of you probably remember that. Now there's only vowels left on the board, so who wants to answer? You're nobody tell. Somebody loves you. You hear that? You're nobody tell. Somebody loves you. You're nobody Till somebody cares. Do you hear the message in that? You're nobody. That's got to be heartbreaking for so many people who say nobody loves me or, or someone used to love me and now, now they're gone. But our message is someone does love you. Someone knows you. Someone uh, created you so that He could love you. The Creator of the universe loves you. You are the center of His life. And in response to that, you can know Him. You can love Him. He says in verses 3 and 4, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. This psalm begins with praise to God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It ends with exactly the same words. You cannot miss that the focus of this psalm is on God Himself. But here in the middle, sandwiched in the middle of that praise, He turns His attention to us and tells us that in the whole of creation and all the beauty that's around us, God has fixed His eyes on us. And our response is just, who am I? What is man that you're mindful of Him? Who am I that that you care for me? There are far too many people in our lives who find their identity through something that can be taken away from them. You know what I mean? There are too many people who find their identity through something that can be taken away from them. They find their identity in their job and and sooner or later you can't do that job and, and that's taken away from them and they don't know 
who they are anymore. And, and we see people dealing with depression because they, they can't provide and they can't do that job anymore. Sometimes they just get angry because they, they can't work. We see people who define themselves in relationships. And relationships are important, but they're all temporary. And so when that husband is gone or that wife is gone, we, we don't know who we are anymore. We, we've lost our identity. Or God forbid when that child is gone. We've, we've lost our identity and we, we don't know who we are anymore. And, and hear me out, every one of those things is important. Every one of those things is, is to be treasured. But that's not who you are. God calls us to find our identity in Him and He can never be taken away from us. You know, you look at the Apostle Paul and at one time, Paul found his identity in, in who he was and in what he could do. Paul says that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he said that I can out-Hebrew anybody. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul says, I kept the law flawlessly. And yet there came a time when all of that was taken away from him. And when all of that was taken away, Paul found the God who knew him and the God who wanted to be known. And in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, Paul says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Those words fascinate me. I, I, I find hope in what Paul says there. I find strength there. And the amazing reality that anything precious that can be taken away from us only draws us closer to the God who loves us. And there are people in your lives who have built their lives on very temporary things. Things that can be taken from them and, and leave them not knowing who they are. And and in response to that, God has created us not only to praise Him, not only to, to know Him, but God has created us to reflect Him. Verses 5 and 6, He says, You have made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet. This is the tension that we find ourselves in. We were created a little lower than the heavenly beings. We do not have the uh, privilege of being in the presence of God the way that the angels are in the presence of God. We don't have the benefit of, of looking on the face of our Creator. And yet, He has crowned us with glory and honor. We have been called to rule here on earth as the pinnacle of creation. That tension creates frustration because it means that while we are here, we can never fully realize who we are. I can stand here until I'm blue in the face today and I can tell you that you're special to God. That the Creator loves you and that He created you so that He could know you. That you have His full attention. And all it would take is one bad day or one cross word from somebody and you'll sink low and you'll crawl back into yourself. You know, for a thousand years, people read and sang Psalm 8. And for a thousand years, it was just a really nice song. 
It was a nice psalm of praise and, and people sang it and they, they loved it and they, they glorified God with it. And then Jesus came along. And when Jesus came along, they had to read this psalm in a, in a new way because when they sang these words, suddenly there was new meaning here and there was new life here. You know, the author of Hebrews read those words and, and he recognized that these words point to Jesus. He, he read there in 5 and 6, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And, and in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, he quotes from, the, from that passage and he says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the death, of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And we hear that psalm in a new way. The Son of Man, that's, that's obviously Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor, that's obviously Jesus. All things under His feet, that's obviously Jesus. But don't miss your place here also. Because your ultimate fulfillment is found in Jesus. And it's not just that this psalm is about Jesus and has nothing to do with us, but rather, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm. Jesus is everything that God created us to be. God created us to praise Him. Jesus shows what it looks like to have a life completely given over to praise. God created us to know Him. Jesus shows us who God is when we know Him. Jesus says to Philip, Philip says, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. You know, that's all we want, Jesus. Show us God. <laughs> and Jesus says, Philip, don't you understand? I and the Father are one. If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. God created us to rule for Him. He gave us dominion over all creation. Sin stole that. Sin frustrated creation. Now, now we got weeds and mosquitoes and all kinds of nasty things that frustrate us. But Jesus said in Matthew 28.18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me, so I'm sending you into all the world. And He promises, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Jesus Himself, we find God's presence. We find His presence in our lives. We find His purpose in our lives. And we realize there is no one so small that they escape God's notice or live without His purpose. The psalm begins and ends with the same words. Verse 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. The focus is on the name of God. His name, I am, I will be. You cannot reduce me by your sin. You cannot reduce me by your faithlessness. You cannot change who I am. I am what I am forever. You know, in the ancient world, to know someone's name was to have power over that person. If you knew their name, you could have power over them. That's why when Jesus confronts the demons, out there in the, in the cemetery, he says, what is your name? He wants power over them. God's not worried about you overpowering Him. God doesn't worry that you're going to overpower Him. He gladly gives you His name so that you can know Him. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. And then Jesus came along. <laughs> and He shows us the love of God. And, and through His sacrifice, he shows us the depths that God is willing to go to remove that which separates us from Him. And so with that in mind, with Jesus in mind, 
Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Paul writes his own song. He says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, that is, Jesus. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name to the glory of God the Father. There are people who will make you feel small. There are people who will make you feel insignificant. Don't let them do that. The Creator of the universe has shared His name with you. He's told you His name. He has given Himself to you to know you so that you can know Him. There are people in our lives, they don't know that. And they, they feel small. Maybe they're in our family. Maybe they're in our community. How do we lift them up? How do we help them see who they have been created to be? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me, so I'm sending you. You tell them who I am. Tell them who I created them to be. Show them My love and bring them to Me. Let's stand together as we prepare to pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babes and babies and infants. You have established strength because of Your foe to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your, at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the, of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, let us magnify your name. Let us lift it up above everything else. Let us do that by the praise that we speak and sing, but also let us do that by the way we lift up those who are fallen, those who are hurting, those who are weak, and those who are forgotten. Let us make your name great, not just in all the earth, but in their lives as well as we, as we treat them with the love and forgiveness that you've given to us. To your glory. And in the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen. Go in peace.